The January 6th committee rolls out its primetime special with Liz Cheney taking the starring role, and we examine what the Democratic telethon did and did not accomplish. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. The Ben Shapiro Show is sponsored by ExpressVPN. It's time to stand up against big tech. Protect your data at expressvpn.com slash Ben. We'll get to all the news in just one moment. First, as you know, when it comes to big tech, you just can't trust those suckers. They are trying to grab your data. They're trying to use your data, in many cases, against you. At the very least, they're monetizing your data while censoring your opinions or handing off your opinions to people you don't actually want to see those opinions. If you don't trust big tech, maybe you should stop giving them all the information they need to make money off of you. Well, we might not all have 44 billion bucks to buy up tech companies like Elon Musk and then tell them what to do, but for less than seven bucks a month, you can at least deprive big tech of their revenue stream. How do you think big tech companies make all their money? They grab all your data, they sell all your data. ExpressVPN stops that. ExpressVPN helps you anonymize much of your online presence by hiding your IP address, a unique identifier that every device has that allows big tech to match your activity back to you. That's why I use ExpressVPN on all my devices to make it much more difficult for them to exploit my data for their own profits. It's so easy to use the ExpressVPN app. It really is. I mean, you tap one button, it downloads. You tap another button, it is now protecting you. It's that simple. If you don't agree with big tech censorship, it's time to take a stand. Visit expressvpn.com slash Ben right now. Get three months of ExpressVPN for free. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N.com slash Ben for three months free. ExpressVPN.com slash Ben. So last night was the primetime special. It was the moment we've all been waiting for by, by all of us. I mean, basically just the members of the media, because I would imagine that very few Americans actually spent a lot of time watching these hearings. That's particularly true since they began with a bunch of grandstanding by Congress people, which is not the way you program a primetime special. I mean, far be it from me, a person who runs an actual large media outlet that programs on a consistent basis to tell the Democratic policymakers that nobody actually wants to hear them jabber at a camera, but nobody actually wants to hear them jabber at a camera. There, there are a bunch of sort of imagistic mistakes that were made very early on in the January 6th special that was produced last night for mass consumption via all the networks except for Fox News. The, the number one mistake is don't put a bunch of jabbering idiots in front of a camera and have them talk for 10 minutes before you actually start showing any footage. But before we even get to what happened last night, we have to set the table because we have to determine what exactly is the January 6th special attempting to do? What exactly was the goal here? So there are a bunch of things that we have to hold simultaneously in our minds because many things can be true at once. And this has been true since January 6th happened. And I said on that day, I thought it was an awful, ugly day. I thought the images of people rushing into the Capitol building with violence on their minds, one of the most hideous images that I had seen in my political lifetime, all of that can be true. Also, you can say it was not a true threat to democracy because the entire place was clear within two hours and or three hours. And everybody just went ahead and certified an election that had already been certified at the state level in consonance with the United States Constitution. And President Trump ended up leaving office on January 20th, 2021. All of those things can be true at once. It happens to be perfectly true that a bunch of people who believed President Trump's rhetoric between November 4th and January 6th went and protested and didn't riot and didn't end up in the Capitol building. And many of those who ended up in the Capitol building were ushered in by actual police officers opening doors. And many of them were not. They were there to actually commit acts of violence. Right? All these things can be true at once because life is messy. Life is messy. But what the Democrats are trying to do here is draw a clear line. And the clear logical line is if you don't vote for us in November, it's because you're in favor of January 6th. That was the goal here. It was a grandstanding move to do this primetime special in the first place without offering any really seriously new evidence. The January 6th committee 
should be dedicated to legislative purposes. I mean, typically, this is what congressional committees are, are designed to do. They, they have to, by law, either perform an oversight function or a legislative function. This investigative committee performed neither. It is there specifically as a political tool, as you can tell, because Nancy Pelosi basically nixed any Republican who didn't already agree with the predetermined agenda before the January 6th committee was formed. Okay, but the January 6th committee does not have an oversight function here in the sense that they are not really attempting to determine where federal dollars were spent and where they were not spent and what was done in consonance with legislation by Congress at the executive branch level. And it's not a legislative function because they're not actually changing any laws with regard to this sort of stuff. You know this because they're not asking questions about like, what is the D.C. Capitol Police protocol? How do they deal with stuff like this? Where was the National Guard? And why was Nancy Pelosi, for example, not requesting extra National Guard before this event when we know that, that law enforcement had been warning of the possibility of violence in, in advance of the event? And these are questions that wouldn't be dispositive. They wouldn't answer all the questions, but these are certainly relevant questions to ask in the context of an investigation as to what actually happened on January 6th. Because all of these questions should be on the table, right? What were the security protocols? Why were people allowed to breach the Capitol? Why wasn't there more police presence at the Capitol? Why wasn't the National Guard preemptively there? And that can all go along with, was there any coordination between political figures and people who were attempting to breach the Capitol or all the rest of this? But none of that was done because the, the basic goal here is to weaponize January 6th as a talking point for 2022. And, and unfortunately, that's what January 6th became immediately in the aftermath. Right away, pretty much all Americans agree that January 6th was a hideous and ugly event. And when I say January 6th, I don't mean the giant protest. I mean the small number, relatively speaking, of rioters who broke into the Capitol attempting to do harm to people and beating police officers and all the rest. Virtually all Americans agree on this by polling data. But that is not what this narrative turned into. Immediately, it was turned into a political narrative about how if you supported Donald Trump in 2020 in the election, this means that you supported his rhetoric. If you supported his rhetoric after November 4th, this means that you supported riots. And if you vote for Republicans in 2022 who are not named Donald Trump, it's because you support Donald Trump, his rhetoric, and the riots. Right? That is the basic chain of logic that Democrats are trying to drive here. And this is not a secret. Again, the New York Times wrote just a couple of days ago, quote, January 6th hearings give Democrats a chance to recast midterm message because they need something. They're getting skunked in the polls. And the only time Democrats have been able to win in the recent past is running against Donald Trump. That is the only, I mean, Joe Biden himself has said this. He said that he's not sure, you know, whether he's going to run again, kind of. Maybe his health will prevent him. Maybe it won't. And then he's asked about Donald Trump. He's like, oh, man, I really want to run again. The perception by Democrats is that Donald Trump is the most beatable Republican and people who associate with Donald Trump are the most beatable Republicans, which is why Democrats spent an awful lot of money pushing, for example, Doug Mastriano in Pennsylvania because Doug Mastriano was a January 6th. So the idea is there are threats to democracy. There's such a threat to democracy. Also, if you guys could nominate people like that and if you could side with people like that, that would be really good because then we can run against that which suggests Democrats really don't think that they're a threat to democracy so much because Democrats know better than anybody that the polarization of American politics means that if Democrats attack somebody, they are likely to create an enormous amount of support for the person they are attacking because we live in that polarized time. So again, the logic here for the Democrats when it comes to January 6th, and I, I don't think that you know, when it comes to Liz Cheney or Adam Kinzinger, I'm not sure that they have the same logic. I think that perhaps they're being naive Perhaps they're just being useful idiots for the Democrats at this point. Or perhaps they have a principled feeling that January 6th really was a deep and abiding threat to democracy and that democracy is whatever it is. I don't know that they have the same motivations as the partisan Democrats who are pushing this stuff, but the partisan Democrats who are pushing this stuff are, are clearly being partisan Democrats. Again, using that logic, the logic is if you supported Trump in 2020 against Joe Biden, 
You supported everything he could possibly do or say. If you support him in the election, that means that you supported everything that he did after the election. If you had doubts about the election, not with regard just to voter fraud, but for example, with regard to voter procedure, with regard to ballot harvesting, with regard to widespread absentee voting, if you had problems with the media coverage, then this all conflates together with you supported Donald Trump and his attempt to overturn the results of the 2020 election. And even if you supported that attempt, that doesn't necessarily mean you support a violent overthrow of the United States government. But the idea is that you now support the violent overthrow of the United States government. And also the idea is that the people who invaded the Capitol were engaged in an armed insurrection, which is weird because there were no actual firearms found on the people who invaded the Capitol, which is a very strange way to run an armed insurrection. Again, this is not to downplay the criminality of people who invade the Capitol building and do harm to police officers. It is to point out that if you are going to claim that something is an armed insurrection, typically you require an armed insurrection to call something an armed insurrection. Okay, so what is this really about? For the Democrats, it's pretty obvious. The idea is you have a choice in 2022 between our garbage governance, which has brought you a 40-year high in inflation, a, a stagnating economy. It has brought you extreme levels of political polarization. It has brought you a radical social agenda that embraces everything from forcing your kids in school to learn that they might be a member of the opposite sex to treating America as though it is historically not only racist, but systemically racist today. You have a choice between that and the evils of Trumpism. Right? That is what Democrats are attempting to do here. And they want to play on that political polarization in order to get Republicans to side with things they believe the vast majority of Americans don't agree with, right? So the idea here is twofold. One is to say to the middle, either it's those bad guys or it's us. It's, it's either those, because all of them are the same. It's either those bad guys or it doesn't matter if they condemn January 6th. It doesn't matter if they don't even agree with Donald Trump's claims from November 4th to January 6th. They are all the same. Side with us or side with them. If you want to morally dissociate from January 6th, you must side with us. And there's a secondary idea, which is the more time we spend talking about January 6th, the more we can wrong foot Republicans who are afraid of some members of their base into saying things that downplay January 6th, at which point we run against those Republicans. If you think Democrats aren't that sophisticated, you're wrong. I mean, that's not that sophisticated a point. They understand that if they make January 6th top of the news and the media do their compliant job, which is to ask every Republican their feelings about January 6th, they'll eventually stumble on a Republican who will just downplay it or dismiss it in such a way that the American public doesn't like it very much. And then Democrats can run against that. Right? That is the goal here. Now, here's the thing. We as Americans don't have to embrace any of this because we can hold all of these thoughts in our mind. We can say, for example, that riots are really bad and violent riots are really bad and breaking into the Capitol building is really bad and criminal and people should go to jail for doing these things. We can say that beating police officers is a really bad thing. We can also say that Donald Trump's claims between November 4th and January 6th were untrue. His claims that voter fraud specifically decided the 2020 election, that was not true. Donald Trump's claim that after the certification of state votes by state legislatures, there was still a pathway in the Electoral College to reject votes by the vice president of the United States. That was untrue. You can say all those things were untrue. And you can simultaneously also say that the 2020 election was rigged in a different way. Not rigged as in people were in the back room punching ballots, but rigged in terms of the voting procedures. For example, in Pennsylvania, where there was widespread mail-in balloting in spite of the state constitution requiring that such rules not be made by the state Supreme Court, for example. Right? You can, you can look at the vast changes to voting procedures throughout the country and the lack of voter verification in wide areas and say, listen, I have doubts about this. I don't like this very much. And also, I think this was an attempt to artificially boost 
the number of people who probably would have voted by getting them all to basically sit at home. Then we have people go over to their house and pick up the ballots. And this makes me uneasy. You can say all of that. You can say that the media spent every waking moment of the 2020 election basically lying, lying about Black Lives Matter, pretending that that was a peaceful, wonderful movement that had something important to say about the nature of systemic American racism, that riots were not happening on wide scale, that Kamala Harris and Joe Biden were somehow both pro-police and anti-police at the same exact time, that Donald Trump was not, in fact, going to develop a vaccine under Operation Warp Speed before the election, that this was all crazy talk. And the media lied pretty much every day of the 2020 election. And Donald Trump also happened to run an incredibly scattered and not particularly motivated campaign, which is unfortunate because I think it was a very winnable election for Donald Trump. So all of those things can be true at once. We can also say, for example, that the January 6th riots were really bad. And also, this is part and parcel of a much broader political polarization in the United States that has led to an uptick in political violence across the board. That it is impossible to talk about January 6th and the climate of American politics without talking about the fact that there was wide-scale rioting and looting, the worst rioting in American history the prior summer, approved of, patted on the head, celebrated by some members of the media and some members of the Democratic Party. You can point out that there's great hypocrisy to a Democratic Party claiming that the worst thing in American electoral history was Donald Trump refusing to accept the results of the 2020 election post-November 4th, while simultaneously claiming that Stacey Abrams was the legitimate governor of Georgia after losing that race by 50,000 votes. They literally had her at a Democratic governor's panel at the 2020 Democratic National Convention. They treated her as a great heroine of the Republic for claiming that the election of Georgia had been stolen in, in her early gubernatorial election, which it was not in 2018. Right? This Democratic Party spent four years aided and abetted by the media claiming that Donald Trump was not the legitimately elected president of the United States in 2016. Instead, the Russians had rigged the vote. The Russians had figured out some way to jerry-rig support for Donald Trump. They'd colluded with Donald Trump. And somehow, the Democrats and the media and the Hillary Clinton campaign and the FBI all put together this bizarre theory that turned out to be a giant nothing burger, but held the attention of the American public for four years. You don't get to undermine all the institutions and then be surprised when someone on the other side also undermines the institutions. So if we're talking about the collapse of American institutions, a symptom of which was January 6th, then we have to look around at why all the institutions and the trust in all of our institutions has been collapsing. And that is not a partisan point. That is a bipartisan point. That doesn't relieve responsibility for Donald Trump's rhetoric between November 4th and January 6th of the false claims that he was making. And it, it certainly doesn't relieve the responsibility of rioters for rioting. It does suggest that if we are going to have broad scale conversations about the wrongs and the, the problems of American politics, we have to have those in a way that actually makes sense. But Democrats are not interested in that, of course, because the idea is the Republicans are threatening democracy. So you have to give us the auspices to threaten democracy, right? Pack the court, have people outside justices' houses protesting. If somebody shows up and threatens to actually kill a justice of the Supreme Court, you bury that on page 820 of the New York Times, which, by the way, is exactly what happened this week. The New York Times buried on page A20, a man showing up at Justice Kavanaugh's house trying to murder him. Do you think that might be a front page story for months at a time? Certainly weeks at a time, if the political orientations had been reversed in that particular story. And so you can hold all of these thoughts in your head because, again, reality is messy. You can think that the January 6th riots were incredibly dangerous and incredibly ugly, but also they were not a threat to the democracy of the United States, the longest standing democracy in the world, and that the United States was on the verge of a violent overthrow 
by a bunch of droogs who got cleared from the Capitol building within three hours because they had no weapons on them. And the only person who was actually shot that day was one of the rioters, Ashley Babbitt. That is not what an actual insurrection looks like, by the way, with no military support, no institutional support. If you look at coups in other countries, that is not what a coup looks like. A coup does not look like a bunch of idiots running into a building and then getting cleared from the building within three hours. That's typically not how that stuff goes. An actual coup would require institutional support. But if you require institutional support, you need a zip recruiter. Oh, you like what I did there, right? Now, not for a riot, but like actually for your business. If you wish to make your business better, you need ZipRecruiter. Right here at Daily Wire, we've been using ZipRecruiter for years. And this is how we end up with excellent employees like Brandon. Not that Brandon, a different Brandon, whose name is actually Brandon. He has an excellent job every morning making sure that things run on time. You need ZipRecruiter. So you have excellent candidates like Brandon, but not that Brandon. Check out ZipRecruiter. They use their powerful technology to find and match the right candidates up with your job. You can easily review these recommended candidates and invite your top choices to apply. Additionally, ZipRecruiter has a complete suite of tools that makes it easy to filter, review, and rate your candidates. Four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within day one. No wonder ZipRecruiter is the number one rated hiring site based on G2 satisfaction ratings as of January 1, 2022. So soak up all the summer has to offer. Let ZipRecruiter do the work for you. Ready for the magical URL? Here it comes. ZipRecruiter.com slash Daily Wire. That's where you can try ZipRecruiter for free. Again, that is ZipRecruiter.com slash D-A-I-L-Y-W-I-R-E. ZipRecruiter is indeed the smartest way to hire. So here's the thing. This is basically what the polls show. So the American people have, I think, correct and nuanced views about what January 6th was. So for example, there was a poll that came out. This is January 3rd, 2022. It's an NPR Ipsos poll conducted about a year after the January 6th incident. And here is what they found. What they found is that 64% of Americans agree that American democracy is in crisis and at risk of failing. 70% feel the same about America itself. A majority, regardless of gender, racial, ethnic group, generation, or region of the country, feel that America is in crisis and at risk of failing. That's not because of Trump. That includes 79% of Republicans, 68% of Democrats, 67% of independents. This goes to the institutional health of the United States I was talking about. This is not because of January 6th. January 6th is instead a result of much of the political polarization and institutional breakdown we have seen in our politics over the course of the last decade. By the way, 47% of Republicans strongly agree with the sentiment that our democracy is in crisis at risk of failing. Now, if you thought this was all about January 6th, what you would think is that Democrats believe that. But Democrats don't believe that because, again, Democrats are in power right now. Americans hold mixed perceptions on the event, according to this poll from January 2022, about a year after the event. Around one in three, 32% believe that the January 6th assault on the Capitol building was an attempted coup or insurrection. 28% say it was a riot that got out of control. Okay, so basically Americans are evenly split on the media narrative that this was a coup or an insurrection. And about a third say the same thing, that it was a riot that, that got out of control, which by the way, it was a riot that got out of control because the definition of a coup or an insurrection is that it is organized from top down in order to replace one government with another. Democrats keep saying they're going to show a smoking gun that shows collusion and an organization between Trump and the people who are trying to storm the Capitol building, they've so far provided zero evidence of this. Apparently, around two-thirds of Americans accept the outcome of the 2020 presidential election. Around a third believe there was fraudulent voting in the election. Another fifth say they are unsure, meaning under half of respondents unequivocally state there was no or very little fraudulent voting in the election. Okay, well, again, one of the reasons for this is because the media said there was no fraudulent voting in the election. There were 155 million votes cast. I would assume there was some voter fraud in the election, but you can say that there is no evidence 
that this election was decided by voter fraud. Not in Pennsylvania, where Donald Trump lost by 80,000 votes. Not in Georgia, where he lost by 14,000 votes. Not in Arizona, where he lost by 12,000 votes. Not in Wisconsin, where he lost by 14,000 votes. Not in Michigan, where he lost by over 100,000 votes. Those are big numbers. Very, very big numbers. Big enough numbers to swamp whatever allegations Donald Trump did not make, by the way. And again, I, I go back and listen. If you listen to what I said about January 6th, if you listen to what I said about election 2020, between the election and January 6th, I said Donald Trump should be allowed to pursue every legal path available. I said that Donald Trump should make every allegation that he had in court. He did not even allege voter fraud in nearly all of the suits that he filed all across the country. He established the possibility of voter fraud. That is not enough to establish actual voter fraud. That is one of the problems. So you can be uneasy about the election. You can think that the election was rigged in all the ways that I said before. And you can still understand that the election itself, there was no capacity to, quote unquote, overturn the election based on what Donald Trump presented, which, again, was very little, as we'll get to in in just a second. As far as what Americans believe about standardizing elections, 49 percent say standardizing voting rules across states will make American elections more fair compared to 19 percent who say that it will make elections less fair. Some of the other proposals, 44 percent of 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 voters believe that every eligible voter should be able to vote by mail. But that's, again, that's 44%. That's a minority. So what does this mean? It means that the American people are pretty much split on this. Also, the American people have moved on. Okay, so there's new polling data also from 538.com suggesting that the American people are not interested in litigating January 6th as sort of the case, the, the, the single case of how American politics works. Because as it turns out, Americans are actually concerned about how governance is happening Right now, Americans are very concerned about the economy. They're very concerned about our foreign policy. They disapprove of the way that Joe Biden is handling the country. And so the attempts by the Democrats to recast all of American politics in terms of January 6th are likely to fail. They're likely to fail and they should fail because, again, it is a misdirection play. And this is clearly grandstanding from the Democrats because, after all, inflation is at 8.6% and things really are looking the wrong way. When you look at those polls, Americans say the direction of the country is bad. Well, if you need to boost your business because now is a rough economic time, you can't afford to leave options and strategies on the table. This is why you need Podium. Podium helps your small business stay ahead of the curve with modern messaging tools that make it easy for your customers to connect with your business. So here is the thing. A lot of people will call me on my phone. I'm not going to pick up your call. I mean, if you're a business and you're calling me, I'm just not going to pick it up. And no one of my generation is going to pick it up. However, if you send me a text, there's a good shot. I will read it and at least will respond. This is what Podium helps you do. From healthcare providers to plumbers, over 100,000 businesses are texting with customers through Podium. Customers love the convenience and businesses love the results. One car dealer sold a $50,000 truck in just four text messages. A jeweler sold a $5,000 ring and coordinated curbside pickup all through text. With Podium's all-in-one inbox, you can do more than just chat. Get online reviews by sending an easy-to-use link. Collect payments fast from anywhere. Send marketing campaigns that actually get a response. You can do all of that by sending a quick text. Remember, See how Podium can grow your business. Watch a demo today at podium.com slash Shapiro. That's podium.com slash Shapiro. Make your business stronger and better using Podium. Podium, let's grow. Okay, this finally brings us to the January 6th extravaganza last night. Now, the Democrats really have one shot at this. And they have like a two-hour primetime slot provided to them by all the major news networks simultaneously. And if you looked, the, the literally the only channel that covers news that was not covering this was Fox News which had Tucker and Hannity on. And the Democrats immediately make a huge blunder. 
And their blunder is they're going to allow Congress people to grandstand. This is the stupidest thing. It is incredibly stupid because here's the thing. If the Democratic agenda is to grandstand, if it is an electoral ploy, you at least don't want to let the American public know that it's an electoral ploy. And yet they, they, they lead off with Benny Thompson. And so here's the thing about Benny Thompson. Leading off with Benny Thompson is a really dumb idea because Benny Thompson happens to be one of the people who voted against certification of the 2016 election. So if you're talking about the danger to the republic in not voting to certify legitimate elections, this seems like a bad person to lead it off. But not only did Benny Thompson lead it off, he decided to make claims that he could not sustain. So he leads off by saying that the violence was no accident on January 6th. The implication being, of course, that it was planned top down. Now, you can say that there was internal planning among some groups, groups of Oath Keepers, groups of Proud Boys. You can say, oh, that's true. Fine. A lot of those people are under criminal indictment for conspiracy, for insurrection. A lot of those people are actually under criminal indictment. Many of them are in jail right now. But the implication here is that there's going to be evidence that they show that shows a direct connection between the Trump White House and therefore you, the Trump voter, and what happened on January 6th. That's the implication he's going to attempt to draw. And then they provide no evidence to back this up. Any legal jargon you hear about seditious conspiracy, obstruction of an official proceeding, conspiracy to defraud the United States, boils down to this. January 6th was the culmination of an attempted coup, a brazen attempt, as one rioter put it shortly after January 6th, to overthrow the government. The violence was no accident. It represents Senate Trump's last stand, most desperate chance to halt the transfer of power. Yeah, again, they're performing a magical conflation. Conflation number one, you're a Trump voter. Therefore, you support everything that Trump said between November 4th and January 6th. Two, even if you support what he said between November 4th and January 6th, which was based on Trump saying things that were not true, this means that you support a riot. Three, if you support people in the Capitol grounds, this means you support the overthrow of democracy. So this is like, and also if you vote against Democrats today, you support all those things, right? That's the conflation Benny Thompson is attempting to draw. By the way, he objected to the 2004 vote certification. It was uh, Jamie Raskin, who is also on this committee who attempted to uh, to overturn the 2016 election by objecting to the certification of Florida's votes. Okay, but he didn't stop there, Benny Thompson. Again, if you're grandstanding, you got to grandstand. This is all the lead up, right? This is so stupid because everybody who's in the middle and watching this turns off the TV. Right? You get nine minutes of these guys jabbering at the camera about how this is like the Ku Klux Klan and lynching. And people are like, really? Why didn't you lead up? I mean, the first rule is you start with a stinger, right? Why wouldn't you at least start with the videos that you end up showing here. Hey, here's Benny Thompson. I'm Benny Thompson, chairman of the January 6, 2021 committee. I was born, raised, and still live in Bolton, Mississippi, a town with a population of 521, which is midway between Jackson and Vicksburg, Mississippi, and the Mississippi River. I'm from a part of the country where people justify the actions of slavery, the Ku Klux Klan, and lynching. I'm reminded of that dark history as I hear voices today try and justify the actions of the insurrectionists on January 6, 2021. This is such dumb politics. It's so stupid. If you're going to lead with the supposed revelation of new evidence, lead with the supposed revelation of new evidence. Don't lead with a heavily partisan Democrat jabbering at you about how January 6th was akin to lynching black people in the South. Because January 6th was really bad. You know what was worse? 
actually murdering black people in the South by hanging them from trees. I, I, I can't believe that I have to say this out loud. Like that's, this is insane. Okay, it's, it's, it's a ridiculous way to lead this off. Okay, the person who actually led the effort to try and drive the narrative here was, was Liz Cheney. And the reason that the Democrats use Liz Cheney here, of course, is because she is a Republican. And I will say that it is quite amusing to see the strange new respect earned by the Cheney family as Liz Cheney becomes sort of a useful pawn in the Democratic agenda. Again, I'm not doubting Liz Cheney's motivations here. I'm not suggesting that Liz Cheney is somehow out for her own interests because she's probably going to lose in her congressional race right now in Wyoming. Hey, well, what I am suggesting is that Liz Cheney is overdrawing conclusions because that strange new respect goes to one's head. So Liz Cheney begins by laying out what she calls Trump's seven-part plan to, to take over the country in the aftermath of the 2020 election. Now, again, she's going to have to explain which part of this plan actually involved sending rioters into the Capitol building to run around like idiots wearing buffalo horns and then get rousted from the Capitol within three hours. Because that's the thing we're supposedly talking about here, right? We're not talking about Donald Trump promulgating untruths between November 4th and January 6th. That's not what this investigation is about. There's a, do a big dot over here. Trump wanted to overturn 2020 election. And then a bunch of legal mechanisms and he filed a bunch of lawsuits and he had this bizarre theory about how Mike Pence was going to throw out certified votes and all this crap. Okay, that's dot number one. And then over here, you have an actual full-scale riot in the Capitol building with people getting hurt. And you have to connect those dots because this hearing is about this dot. It is not about this dot. And so she suggests those dots are going to be connected, but then she actually never connects the dots. So here is Liz Cheney. On the morning of January 6th, President Donald Trump's intention was to remain president of the United States despite the lawful outcome of the 2020 election and in violation of his constitutional obligation to relinquish power. Over multiple months, Donald Trump oversaw and coordinated a sophisticated seven-part plan to overturn the presidential election and prevent the transfer of presidential power. In our hearings, you will see evidence of each element of this plan. Man, probably should impeach that guy and maybe he shouldn't be president anymore. Oh, wait, you, you did that twice. Okay, there was an impeachment of Donald Trump after January 6th. It took place in the House. The impeachment did not actually allege criminal activity by Donald Trump, and it was rooted in January 6th based on incitement, which was not legally met. And also, Donald Trump isn't president. He hasn't been president since January 20th of 2021. So what exactly does this have to do with the riots, per se? And she says that Donald Trump and the White House received reports that elements were preparing for violence. Okay, and presumably so did Speaker Pelosi, who didn't request preemptive security from the Capitol Police. I mean, it seems like everyone was taken unawares. Now, again, none of this is to alleviate responsibility for Trump between, what, 2.26 p.m. and 5 o'clock p.m. There's like a two and a half hour period where people were breaking into the Capitol building. And it's unclear exactly what Trump was doing before he sent that, that little video message telling people to go home, et cetera. But here is Liz Cheney suggesting active coordination. Again, you have to actually show evidence of active coordination if you're going to claim active coordination. Although certain former Trump officials have argued that they did not anticipate violence on January 6th, the evidence suggests otherwise. As you will see in our hearings, the White House was receiving specific reports in the days leading up to January 6th, including during President Trump's ellipse rally, indicating that elements in the crowd were preparing for violence at the Capitol. Okay. 
Now, you can be given that information that there are elements of the crowd preparing for violence at the Capitol. That does not mean that you then told them, go ahead and attack the Capitol building. This is, again, is the, the dot they refuse to draw. And the, again, you don't have to alleviate responsibility on Trump for not doing enough while the riots were going on. You know, and, and also, you know, I don't, what's the referendum here? That Trump acted badly that day and that he said ugly things that day? Well, color me shocked. So Liz Cheney said that Trump said that Pence deserved to be hanged, right? When people were chanting, hang Mike Pence, that Trump had said offhandedly to somebody, Trump deserved to be hanged. That's really bad. And that's really, really ugly, obviously. Also, Trump then allowed Mike Pence to activate the National Guard. So here's Liz Cheney. You will hear that President Trump was yelling and, quote, really angry at advisors who told him he needed to be doing something more. And aware of the rioters' chance to hang Mike Pence, the president responded with this sentiment, quote, maybe our supporters have the right idea. Mike Pence, quote, deserves it. Okay, now, when Liz Cheney says this sort of stuff, listen, it's that's a shocking thing for the president of the United States to say. Also, is anyone shocked? Like, if you're going to provide new information, it actually should be presumably new information. Now, Cheney is essentially making the case that Trump refused to call off the rioters. He didn't do enough to call off the rioters. Again, that was known like day of. We all remember this. Here's the thing about these hearings. If you're going to have a hearing, it's got to be about something we didn't know. It can't be about stuff that we knew because we were watching it in real time on that day. And you got every element of what Trump was thinking that day and in like the next two days that followed. I believe one of the charges in the impeachment was something about how Trump had basically been derelict in not activating the Capitol Police and not activating the National Guard in time. So what is the case that she is making here? Is the case that Donald Trump actively organized with these people, that he was derelict in not calling people off, that he was derelict in not activating the National Guard in time? Again, all of that's been fairly well established, except for the first point which is the whole idea that this was an insurrection organized by not just Donald Trump, the entire Republican Party in coordination, the same Republican Party that's out there trying to rig elections today, vote Democrat. That's the part they never quite established. So here's Liz Cheney saying that Trump refused to do anything to call off the rioters. And again, this is not shocking to me because this was pretty clear at the time. You will hear testimony that, quote, the president did not really want to put anything out calling off the riot or asking his supporters to leave. You will hear evidence that President Trump refused for hours to do what his staff, his family, and many of his other advisors begged him to do, immediately instruct his supporters to stand down and evacuate the Capitol. Yeah, now, again, what are they trying to establish here? What's, what, what is the goal here? The goal is to suggest an ongoing threat to American democracy, not that Donald Trump acted badly. By the way, again, Mike Pence, the vice president of the United States, did contact General Mark Milley, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, and told him to activate the National Guard. That is a thing that did happen, and the Capitol building was cleared. So what exactly is the attempt to establish here? The attempt is electoral in nature. All of these things can be true at the same time. People acted ugly in ugly fashion, in bad fashion, in criminal fashion. Donald Trump acted very badly that day. He said things that were untrue between November 4th and January 6th. He had a duty to activate the National Guard ASAP as soon as people were going into the Capitol building. He apparently did not fulfill that duty, which we knew based on the simple timeline. Okay, all of that stuff can simultaneously be true. And also, inflation stats this morning, 8.6%, the highest since 1981. 
So where do you think Americans are going to put their focus? On a thing that we knew a year ago and that was really ugly and that Donald Trump is no longer president and was impeached over? Or the fact that their wages went down over the course of the last year 3.4%. Which one do you think is going to play more with the American public? He'll get to more from the Democratic propaganda hearing yesterday. And again, all of this stuff can be true. It can be emotionally affecting. It can also be an attempt to weaponize politics for propaganda purposes. All of that can be true at the same time. Well, when you look at the state of the economy right now, you might be thinking, where do I even put my money? Where do you put it? This is the question on a million minds. Well, I have one recommendation. With the S&P 500 crashing over 13% this year and the NASDAQ tumbling more than 22% year to date and the crypto market losing 2 trillion bucks, many other smart investors and I have been looking for places to put our money. There is one overlooked sector that continues to boom despite all odds, the $1.7 trillion art market. The demand for art investments remains sky high because they ain't making any more of it. I read someone bought one of Andy Warhol's Marilyn Monroe portraits for $195 million, which I mean, I don't trust the artistic taste, but these art pieces are worth a lot of money. You can't afford that, but you can afford a piece. And this you can do in 60 seconds with Masterworks, the $1 billion investment platform. They've handed investors 30% annualized returns, not once, but three times in a row from art investments since 2020. That's incredible considering that the economy is just falling into the toilet right now. Their experts analyze all the data to find the best works for you. So it makes sense how they've gotten such great results. Our listeners have already invested over $2 million in artworks with Masterworks. Why wait? After all, you can get priority access by going to masterworks.io slash Ben. Again, go to masterworks.io slash Ben for priority access and to get more information before deciding to invest. Carefully review important disclosures at masterworks.io slash CD. All right, folks, you made What is a Woman? A massive success, like the number one streaming documentary in America. And this weekend is the Pride Parade in Washington, D.C. Ah, the long-awaited Pride Parade. You will see us there. We had Skywriters at the Women's March. This weekend, we'll have mobile trucks showing clips from What is a Woman at the Pride Parade. Because after all, if you are proud of being LGBTQ, you should at least know what a woman is. We are changing the gender ideology conversation. We are fighting back in culture. This has never been more important and relevant. Celebrate Pride Month and the Pride Parade by watching What is a Woman. If you've already seen it, tell a friend to watch it. Help us strengthen our stand against the radical trans agenda, which again is predicated on a lie that men can be women and women can be men. And these terms have no meaning by sharing your support of the film on social media and encouraging others to watch at whatisawoman.com. Go to whatisawoman.com, become a member, watch the film today. We need your help, by the way. Again, the way we make great content like What is a Woman is through subscriber member support. Head on over to whatisawoman.com, get involved. You're listening to the largest, fastest growing conservative podcast and radio show in the nation. Okay, so the January 6th committee, they begin with a bunch of lectures about how American democracy is totally in danger. So basically vote for the Democrats. And then they move on to Donald Trump is a big, bad orange man who's bad and orange and bad. And then they move on from that to, you know, there are a bunch of people in Trump's orbit who are telling him that the election fraud narrative was not true. Again, where's the meat, guys? Like at some point you have to show the meat. If the January 6th hearing is about how the Republican Party in total was complicit, not just complicit, but involved in the January 6th attack on the Capitol building, you're going to have to show the meat. Now, Benny Thompson told Jake Tapper last night that there were going to be witnesses describing actual conversations between the Proud Boys and the Oath Keepers and people in Trump's orbit. Hey, it, suffice it to say, if they had that evidence, why did they not show that? That would be like the lead. If you had a conversation between, say, Mark Meadows and the head of the Oath Keepers, saying, yeah, tomorrow we're going into the Capitol. Mark Brown's being like, yeah, that's great. Let's overturn democracy. Like that, wouldn't, wouldn't that be the lead? As opposed to, say, Liz Cheney talking through a bunch of allegations that we already know about and could see plainly from the timeline. Or like uh, the stuff that they tried to play as revelations last night are not revelations. 
Like they played a clip, for example, of Bill Barr saying that the election fraud claims were, were nonsense. He says that in his memoir, he told that to me on the Sunday special. This has been a long time. I mean, Bill Barr said this openly at the time. I'm like, is this a revelation? I made it clear I did not agree with the idea of saying the election was stolen and putting out this stuff, which I told the president was bullshit. And, uh, you know, I didn't want to be a part of it. And that's one of the reasons that went into me deciding to leave when I did. I observed, uh, I think it was on December 1st, that, you know, how can we, you can't live in a world where, where the incumbent administration stays in power based on its view unsupported by specific evidence that the election, that there was fraud in the election. Was this supposed to be a revelation? Like, where, the, where where's the revelations, guys? I'm waiting for revelations. Okay, so the, what's another revelation? Another one of the revelations that apparently Ivanka Trump said that she agreed with Bill Barr. Is this supposed to make Ivanka Trump look bad? Like, what, what exactly? So she says a true thing. And th- there's always this idea in the media and in the Democratic Party that there was a power behind the throne when it came to Trump. It was like Ivanka and Jared manipulating Trump from behind. Trump is not manipulable in in the circumstance in which he just disagrees with people around him. This is very obvious from every element of his life. So Ivanka says that, but was Ivanka like out there saying that the election was stolen? Did I I miss the part where, where she said that? Because that, as far as I'm aware, did not happen between November 4th and January 6th. So when Ivanka testifies to this, well, what, again, where's the meat? How did that affect your perspective about the election when Attorney General Barr made that statement? It affected my perspective. Um, I respect Attorney General Barr. Um, so I accepted what he said was saying. Okay, and uh, this was played up on Twitter, by the way. It's like, this is a big revel. Why? You mean people around Donald Trump knew that what he was saying about the election, that that wasn't true? Yeah, that's why he ended up with Sidney Powell as his lawyer talking about releasing the Kraken and Rudy Giuliani in front of Four Seasons Gardening and Lawnmowers. Like, don't you remember any? Like, we were all there for this, guys. So where's the revelation? Okay, other revelations. Jared Kushner, apparently. Pat Cipollone came to him. He was the White House counsel. He came to him and he said, I don't like what's going on with this January 20th stuff and, and Donald Trump talking about the election. And maybe I'll quit. And Kushner said, you know, honestly, I didn't think he was going to quit. I thought he was kind of whining. And this is apparently a big revelation. Jared, uh, are you aware of um, instances where uh, Pat Cipollone threatened to resign? I I kind of, uh, like I said, my interest at that time was on trying to get as many pardons done. Uh, And I know that, you know, he was always, him and the team were always saying, oh, we're going to resign. We're not going to be here if this happens, if that happens. So I kind of took it up to just be whining, to be honest with you. Okay, well, I mean, why would he take it that Pat Cipollone was just kind of whining and, and wouldn't actually resign? Maybe because he didn't resign. <laughs> Pat Cipollone left office on January 20th, 2021. He did not actually resign. And then there's, there's a lot of talk about maybe he would resign. Did he resign? No. In fact, he had, I mean, he, he actually represented Donald Trump in his original impeachment hearing. Like, it, this is a big revelation, though. Wow, he said that he thought Cipollone was whining because he was always threatening to resign. Maybe because apparently Cipollone was always threatening to resign and never did. Like Bill Barr actually resigned. Cipollone never did. So, okay, no meat there. Okay, and then, then we get down to what this is really about, which is the emotional images of the day. And they were hideous. They were ugly. Is there anyone in America who believes that this was good stuff? That this was like a wonderful thing? That the violence didn't happen? That everybody there was just there because they were having a good old picnic? 
inside the Capitol building. Some people were there because they wandered in like dolts because there were actual police officers opening the doors. That did happen. There's video of that. But the people were like smashing windows and beating the hell out of police officers. Like all that happened. So when you have Capitol police officers testifying about violence, you know, this is the part where not like I'm there for it. But I got to say, I wish that there was some consistency in the level of defense of the police from the Democrats that you get when it comes to January 6th. Apparently, the only good police officers on planet Earth were the ones serving at the Capitol building January 6th. Everybody who hits a police officer, including people on January 6th, should be put in jail, obviously. They should be put in prison. They've committed a crime. But I feel that way also about cops in L.A. and cops in New York and cops in Chicago. I feel that way about cops in Waukesha. I feel that way about cops all over the country. The Democratic Party, meanwhile, is like, well, you know, maybe we should just jailbreak everybody, except these are the hero cops. These are the only hero cops. The hypocrisy of Democrats when it comes to their support for the police is really quite disgusting. It really is. I'm all there for the for the support for the cops on, on January 6th. I'm also all there for the support for the cops all over the country. Democrats are not. So the crocodile tears about this just ring a little hollow. Right? This particular woman is a hero because she talks about the violence that she underwent. She's a hero. The Democrats who are focused in on one specific act of violence at the expense of a bunch of other acts of violence, they're not heroes. They're political narcissists. Here's the police officer talking about what happened. And it was ugly and it was hideous. And people who deny this are incorrect. I couldn't believe my eyes. There were officers on the ground, um, you know, they were bleeding. They were throwing up. They were, you know, they had... I mean, I saw friends with blood all over their faces. I was slipping in people's blood. Um, you know, I, I was catching people as they fell. I, you know, I was... It, it was carnage. It was chaos. All of that is true. It is also true that the Democratic agenda here is to tie everybody who is at the protest to everybody who's at the riot and all Republican voters to the protesters, to the rioters, which is why they presented a documentarian named Nick Quested, who said that a statement that honestly is unsupportable. So he said that he was following the Proud Boys and that the Proud Boys turned from protesters into rioters, into insurrectionists. That is incorrect. If you, these are mutually exclusive claims. You either have to claim that the Proud Boys organized this beforehand, in which case they were involved in their rioting and insurrection, supposed insurrection attempt, like on, like beforehand. But if you make the case that the protesters turned into rioters, turned into insurrectionists, again, this is the attempted conflation because there were hundreds of thousands of people who arrived on January 6th. And there were a few hundred people who went into the actual Capitol building. The, this, this statement from Nick Quested is incorrect. It is just wrong. We arrived at the mall and observed a large contingent of Proud Boys marching towards the Capitol. We filmed them, uh, and almost immediately I was separated from my colleagues. I documented the crowd turn from protesters to rioters to insurrectionists. I was surprised at the size of the group, the anger and the profanity. And for anyone who didn't understand how violent that event was, I saw it, I documented it, and I experienced it. And nobody is suggesting that that was not violent once it got to the riot. But when he says, I saw them turn from protesters to rioters into insurrectionists, which group is he talking about? The hundreds of thousands of people who showed up or the couple thousand who walked down to the Capitol or the few hundred who actually went into the Capitol or the subsegment of that who actually attempted to do violence to people? Like which, which, yeah, again, the conflation is the point. 
Now, there's one big dot that just never got connected during during this primetime special, and that's the only dot that matters. And that is, was there active coordination between Team Trump and the people who are attempting to violently stop the certification of the election? Was that a coordinated attempt? They, they have no evidence that this is the case. So instead, what they did is they presented a video of one of the rioters reading a Trump tweet in the middle of the riot. That ain't going to do it, gang. It ain't. It's bad. The Trump tweet was really bad. That does not mean it was active coordination between Donald Trump and the rioters. It means what we already knew, which is that Donald Trump was sitting there and not doing what he was supposed to do during the riots, which is bad enough. But that's not the claim Democrats are making here. They're making the claim this is an organized collusion effort between the Republican Party and Donald Trump to overturn the election with the help of a bunch of proud boys who stormed the Capitol building in an attempt to violently overthrow the government. That is the actual case they're making. They didn't prove that. They didn't even try to prove that. Okay, here is the uh, here's the video they attend. This was like their, their supposed smoking gun is that bad people read a bad tweet and then went and did bad things, which I'm sorry, describes nearly all of our politics for the last several years. Okay, and then people start chanting, hang Mike Pence. Yes, all of this is bad. All of this is ugly. Does all of this prove the giant conflation case vote Democrat in 2022? Is that is that what what this proves or not? Okay, so the the Democrats, of course, are trying to play this to the hilt. I'm not doubting that the Democrats were fearful that day because I've been in situations where there are riots directly outside of where I'm speaking. I get it. But, you know, Trotting out AOC to try and gin up the, the emotional response of the American public, I think, is likely to be unsuccessful. So AOC last night, uh, she took, of course, to her Instagram, which is where she disseminates all of her information. And, uh, and she talked emotionally about January 6th. People think that just because this man was on reality TV, that this wasn't real, that this is entertainment. This is not entertainment. It's real effing life. There's so much frustration and failures in the present moment, but we have to keep the focus on the bigger picture, which is that legally, structurally, institutionally, very little has changed. Virtually nothing has changed. That behavior, Ted Cruz voted to protect it. The United Republicans, the United States Senate voted to protect it. Not only did they vote to protect it, they encouraged it. Encouraged it. They voted to protect what? The riots? They voted to protect the riots? In what, what, what vote is she, is, she, is she saying here? By the way, the Democratic Party keep claiming that they actually have evidence of collusion between Republican members of Congress and the rioters. At some point, can we see that? If you're going to make these claims, shouldn't you back that up? When she says this is real life, yes, the riots were real life. But you know what is entertainment? You know what isn't real life? The manipulation of all of that a year and a half later for political gain. That does not look like real life to me. That looks like political manipulation. Okay, so the GOP responds as you would expect them to respond. Kevin McCarthy yesterday, he says, the reason Democrats are talking about this is because they have no agenda on inflation or crime or anything else that's happening in the country. I mean, again, all these things can be simultaneously true. January 6th, really bad. Donald Trump acted horribly that day and in the lead up. Although, also, he is 100% correct. Of course, Democrats are bringing this up 18 months after the fact with no serious new evidence of really anything in order to try and distract. The New York Times reported it. This isn't hiding the ball. 
Again, the inflation stats as of this morning for the last month were 8.6%. That is the highest rate in 40 years. We were told last month we had peaked. We did not peak. So um, you're wondering why Kevin McCarthy's saying this. He's saying this because this is also true. Many things can be true at once, folks. Many things. Here's Kevin McCarthy. I don't see any primetime hearings set for gas price, for battling inflation, for feeding our children, for making the streets safer. Okay, that happens to be true. By the way, want to know um, what the top issues facing the country are, according to polls from Quinnipiac, June 3rd to 6th? Inflation is number one at 34%. Gun violence is number two because of what just happened in Uvalde, Texas. Immigration is at 7%. Election laws are at 6%. 6%. So, yeah. And when the Republicans say this is an entirely partisan production, that also happens to be true. Now, again, the Republicans theoretically could have cooperated with this and then maybe asked some questions, but it makes it a lot more difficult to do that when Nancy Pelosi nixes the people who are on the committee in the first place. 232 years of congressional history. We've never had a committee like this one that is entirely and completely partisan. And that's why the American people have already dismissed it. They're tuning out. They're going to flip the channel tonight on primetime TV to channels that aren't showing it because they don't trust it to begin with. It's all theater. It's a circus. It's a political witch hunt. And they know it because only one side is represented. That's not the way that our, our process, the institution of the Congress is supposed to work. It's shameful. Okay, and um, again, it's, it's not just that. It's also because this is not what is of concern. It is, it is very obvious at this point that the American people are not thinking of January 6th, 2021 as the be all end all of American politics or the flashpoint that is most indicative of where we are circa June 10th, 2022. And the American public shouldn't be thinking of it that way because that is not where we are politically, June 10th, 2022. The Democrats run all three branches of elected government in, these, in this United States and things are falling into garbage. And by the way, again, the Democrats claiming that all the institutions of democracy are under threat solely because of one side is really off-putting, particularly, again, I'm not going to mention again because the media won't. This week, a man tried to kill a justice of the Supreme Court after a leak, presumably from a left-wing law clerk at the Supreme Court of a draft Supreme Court decision on Roe versus Wade. This draft decision was treated by the Democrats as an actual threat to democracy. They encouraged people to protest at justices' homes. They put out very incendiary tweets. They said very incendiary things. And someone tried to kill a justice. And this was buried on page A20 of the New York Times. So no, I don't think that you guys have credibility on these particular issues at all in any way. Things are bad. Things are bad because no one has credibility on any of these issues because no one has any level of consistency. But this is particularly true for a media and democratic party that are attempting to spin it that they are the great protectors of democracy. I don't believe you. Speaking of people, I don't believe, by the way, uh, Janet Yellen suggested yesterday, there's nothing to suggest the United States will have a recession. Um, she suggested five minutes ago that inflation was transitory, so I don't believe her either. We have a very strong economy. I know people are very upset, and rightly so, about inflation, but there's nothing to suggest that inflation in, that, that a recession's in the works. And as the Fed tightens monetary policy to contain demand, and bring inflation down. I believe there is a path through this that entails a soft landing with the economy essentially stabilizing. Straight from Hobbiton, she's explaining that she's going to save the economy after help, help, helping to uh, wreck the economy in a circumstance where the economy should not be wrecked. They put the strongest economy in American history 
into an artificial coma because of COVID. And then they ended the artificial coma and then the economy proceeded to have a full-on heart attack. And that is because of, of these particular human beings. By the way, new headline from CNBC. The recession will hit in the first half of 2023 and the Dow is headed lower. CNBC CFO survey. Apparently, they surveyed a bunch of CFOs at major corporations. Over 40% of chief financial officers cite inflation as the number one external risk to their businesses. And going deeper into the results from the Q2 survey, the links between geopolitics and food and energy prices and inflation are clear from the C-suite ranking of the external factors that are weighing on their current outlook. Almost one quarter of CFOs cite Federal Reserve policy as the biggest risk factor. And as the Biden administration struggled for ways to increase oil supply and Russian ships sail with seized Ukrainian wheat amid concerns about a severe global food and security crisis, Additional CFOs cite supply chain disruptions, the Russia-Ukraine war specifically, as their number one business risk. CFOs are not uniformly of the view the Fed won't ultimately be able to control inflation. Only 54%, however, express confidence in the central bank. According to a majority, 68% of CFOs, a recession will occur during the first half of 2023. So things are going just beautifully. I can't imagine why the Democrats are uh, trying to talk endlessly about January 6th. Maybe it's because they don't want you to talk about June 10th. June 10th happens to be today. All right, we'll be back here later today with a bunch more content. First, you can't forget to end your week by tuning into The Andrew Clavin Show. Drew's show is every Friday. He's got an exciting evening planned for you. Head on over to dailywire.com, 7 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Central, and tune in. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe to the show. Help spread the word about The Ben Shapiro Show by giving us a five-star review and sharing the show with a friend. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. And be sure to check out some of our other Daily Wire shows. The Ben Shapiro Show is produced by Bradford Carrington, executive producer Jeremy Boring, supervising producer Mathis Glover, production manager Pavel Wydowski, associate producer Savannah Dominguez-Morris, editor Adam Saievitz, audio mixer Mike Coromina, hair and makeup artist and wardrobe Fabiola Cristina, Production coordinator, Jessica Kranz. The Ben Shapiro Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2022. Hey, everybody, this is Andrew Clavin, host of The Andrew Clavin Show. You know, some people are depressed because the republic is collapsing, the end of days is approaching, and the moon's turned to blood. But on The Andrew Clavin Show, that's where the fun just gets started. So come on over to The Andrew Clavin Show and laugh your way through the fall of the republic with me, Andrew Clavin. Hey, 